Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. You guys alive today? Yeah, are we here? I see one hand in the back. I didn't bring any jokes today. You guys want jokes? I don't have any. Sorry. Maybe, maybe one will just kind of hit me as we're going. But we're going to talk about today just, just really something that, that uh, it, it, this, is, this will really change the way you live out your, your, your walk with the Lord. It'll change how you see situations. It'll change how you see circumstances. It'll really make a difference in your life. So I just encourage you to take notes today. Take note. We're going to look at a lot of scripture as always. But um, make, make good notes. Go back and study this week. So here we go. Philippians chapter 2. So it starts out with therefore. It says, therefore God has highly exalted him. And so if we remember last week when Phil started out, he had, his message was on humility. And, and this goes back to the beginning of this chapter. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but, took, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a bondservant, and was made in the likeness of man. And coming as a, as a man, he humbled himself unto death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, so after Jesus, it says that he left heaven, he left this position of honor, he left this position of authority, he left his majesty, Everything perfect that he had with the Father, and it said that he made himself of no reputation, the scripture says. It literally means that he emptied himself. It's the Greek word kenosis. It's, it's the act of God. He laid aside his God-like characteristics. Not that he ever stopped being God, but he emptied himself of everything that he could do as God, and he came like one of us. And it said that he came like one of us, became a bondservant, and was obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And because of that, it says that God highly exalted him. That has the word in it, hyper, or in the Greek, hooper. It means super exalted. It means to give him a super exaltation, a rank that is above all ranks, authority above all authority, a position above every position that he highly exalted him. And when he highly exalted him, where did he exalt him to? He exalted him to the right hand, other, the other right, it's my left. Is this your left or your right? All right, it's my right. He exalts him to the right hand of the Father. And he seats Jesus as Jesus is now seated at the right hand. The position of all majesty, the position of honor, the position of authority and power is at the right hand of the Father. See, when Jesus came, if you think about names in the Hebrew, in Hebrew, names actually meant something. Names assigned character. Names assigned nature. It actually described the nature and characteristic of the person. So when Jesus comes, do you remember when Joseph was just going haywire because his fiancée was pregnant? And he's in a dream, and it says the angel Gabriel came to him in a dream, and he says, he says about Mary, he says, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Come on, do you know? You shall call his name Jesus. Yeah, when I do this, that means I expect an answer. He says, you'll call his name Jesus, 
Now the word Jesus, or the name Jesus, is from the Hebrew Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. So his name actually implied his mission, that he was coming to save people. It says, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Save, the word sozo, that all-encompassing word that means to save, it means to deliver, it means to rescue, it means to preserve, it means to make whole, it means to heal. It means that when Jesus came to save, he came to make everything right in your life. He didn't just come just to take away your sin, but he came to take away everything that the enemy ever brought against you. Sin, sickness, uh, depression, whatever it is. Whatever you're stuck in, your addiction, that Jesus came to save. But something happened when Jesus left heaven and when Jesus went to the cross, something happened that that a new dimension, if you will, that God highly exalts him after the cross, after the resurrection, says he highly exalts him and then gives him a name, say it, that is above, oh yeah. Yeah, Jesus is the name. It's a name that's above what? Every name. All names. There's no name. There's no name that even comes close to the name of Jesus. No other name. It says that he has given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every what? Every knee shall bow. Every knee will take a bow to that name of Jesus. If you can put a name on something, that name will bow to the name of Jesus. It says, of things in heaven, of things on the earth, and of things beneath the earth. It's talking about of things in heaven, angelic beings. Of things on earth, human beings. Of things under the earth, take a guess, demonic beings. So that the extent of what his name is over goes from heaven to earth to hell. And everything between there submits to the name of Jesus. Things on earth, things in heaven, things under the earth. It says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And then what's it say in the last verse? It says, and every tongue confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of God. Now, does that mean that everybody will be saved? No. It doesn't mean that today everybody will be saved. It means that one day in the future, if you choose to reject Jesus while you're alive, that there will come a day when you will confess him as Lord. I suggest you do it now. It's like option A or B, A is way better. Because if you don't do it now, you'll do it later. Remember that old that, that TV commercial? You can pay me now. You can pay me later. What was that? Am, am, like a transmission or something, wasn't it? Amco, that's it, Amco. I got one, one guy over 50 in here that knows it. Everybody else is like, what? Oh, you can confess him now? Or you will confess him later. Now by choice. Then not by choice. See, everybody won't be saved. Even Peter, 
In Acts chapter 4, see, Peter and John, they, they got arrested one time, and they're brought before the, the Jewish leaders, the, the high priest, his family, the Sanhedrin, and they actually told them not to preach in the name of Jesus. And Peter said, we can't do that. We can't do that. Because if we do, nothing's going to happen. Do you know why nothing will happen? Because Peter said, there's no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. From your sin, from your sickness, from your situation, whatever. There's only one name. See, it's not the name of Muhammad. It's not the name of Allah. Not the name of Buddha. It's not the name City Reach. Sitting in church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in your garage will make you a car. You can sit there all day and you're still you. It's not the name of, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Pentecostal, I'm a Catholic. No other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. See, you would think people would know this, right? How many here know that? You're in the majority. You know why? Because a recent survey, 2020, we're only talking less than two years ago, there was a survey at Arizona Christian University 1,000 adults in the United States, almost half of them, 48%, affirm this statement. A person who is generally good or does enough good things for others will earn a place in heaven. 50% of the U.S. population believes that you can earn your way to heaven. So another name that won't get you into heaven is your good works. I don't care how many doors you open. I don't care how many people you feed. I don't care how many people you help. If you don't name the name of Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're not going to be there. Even being an American doesn't mean you're going to heaven. His name above every name. There's no name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. See, Peter was just reiterating what Jesus had already said. Do you remember the, the night before the crucifixion, John chapter 14, he's talking to his disciples. He's telling them that he's going away, but he's going to come back. And, and Philip says, well, we don't know the way. We don't know where you're going. What? John 14, 6, Jesus says to him, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, by me. There's only one, one way to the Father, and that's Jesus. There's only one name under heaven whereby you must be saved. No one can get to the Father, have a relationship with the Father, except through Jesus. That's it. It sounds simple, but apparently half the population doesn't know it. So don't ever tell me, I don't have anybody to witness to. Statistically, half the people you, you work with, half the people that live on your street don't know this. So knock on two doors. 
Visit two people at two desks down, and you'll probably find one of the two that doesn't know this. And you can tell them that one name. What's that name? Jesus. That's it. All right. So Jesus is above every name. And so we're going to look at three things today. Three things, three, three areas that he's above. This isn't an exhaustive list by any means. But I want to show you a few things that uh, I just kind of want to bring to light today. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, same three verses, 9 through 11. We just look at Philippians 2, 9 through 11. This is 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Now, I didn't write this, okay? Everybody say, Fred didn't write this. And Fred's not, I'm not going to not read it because Jesus wrote this. The Holy Spirit wrote this through the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I turned around, so I didn't want to see anybody elbowing anybody there. It's like, is he talking to you? It's like a bad news, good news. Because anybody encouraged by that verse, those two verses? <laughs> I'm not encouraged by those at all. God doesn't pick and choose sins, for one. All sin will keep you from heaven. There's not one worse than another. Here's the good news, verse 11. But such were, were. Is that present tense or past tense? But such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Anybody ever read the book, The Scarlet Letter? Don't lie. I never read it. <laughs> How many have heard of the book, The Scarlet Letter? Okay. Get a lot more people. Now, I mean, it was written in 1850, Nathaniel Hawthorne. I know very little about it, just enough to be dangerous. But I've never read it. But it, it, if you read the book... Or if you read the Cliff Notes, might be better, which is what we all do. Uh, there's a woman that comes to New England, has a baby out of wedlock. Turns out she had it with her pastor, of all things. Uh, he's the one trying to force her to, you know, say who it is. And, and, but anyway, to punish her for her sin, they make her wear a big scarlet letter, the letter A. A for what? Adulteress. You know, the book was kind of written against legalism and the Puritans and things like that. But, you know, frankly, we do a lot of that. Maybe don't make people wear the letter, but, but we make them wear a letter by what we call them. See, when somebody gets transformed by the power of Jesus' name, the thief is no longer a thief. The adulterer is no longer an adulterer. 
The addict is no longer an addict. The homosexual is no longer a homosexual. It says you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. So washed means that the blood of Jesus cleansed every trace of that sin from your life. He washed you. It says that the blood of Jesus washes us whiter than snow. So you might have been dirty, but there's a name above your dirt. It says you've been sanctified. That word means holy. It means you've been made a saint. It means that you've been set apart for a purpose. It it actually, it's the opposite of being common, average. You may have been average. You may have been told that you were good for nothing. You may have been said you'll never amount to anything. You're just a run-of-the-mill guy or gal. God says that the name of Jesus has set you apart for a purpose and you are holy. You might have been unholy. You might have been dirty. But those names will bow to the name of Jesus. He said you've been justified. You were justified. Justified means declared righteous, declared right standing with God, declared acceptable, innocent, faultless before a holy God. You might have been guilty. You may have been guilty of one of those sins on the prior slide. But the name of Jesus declared you not guilty. Stop wearing the letter of your previous sin. There's only one scarlet letter that matters. You know what it is? It's a big J. I want you to replace that A and make it a J. Right? Because Jesus wrote his name on you. And that's what identifies you. See, there might have been a time, next slide, that you were identified or characterized by a particular sin at some point, but no longer. That name, like every other name, guess what it does? It bows the name of Jesus. You're new. You are new. Sometimes you don't see yourself that way, but a lot of times you don't see other people that way. I want you to see people no matter what their past, no matter what they've done, no matter how bad it's been, or how bad it was, I want you to see them if they put their faith in Jesus. I want you to see them with a big J on their head. Right? Jesus. See, I, I know this goes against popular thought, but I don't believe once an addict, always an addict. Because that theology differs with my theology, which is based on the Word of God. God's Word said you were a drunk, you were a drug addict, but now you are righteous. So don't ever release from your mouth what you used to be. Oh, I'm just just an addict. No, you're not. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a drunk. I've got no power in my life. That's a lie. You're not a drunk. 
You're sanctified. You're holy. You're justified. You're washed. That's the only three words I want coming out of your mouth. I am washed. I am sanctified. I am justified. Now, if you still want to go to a meeting and say that, do it. But don't repeat words that are not you. And don't repeat words that, that disagree with what God says. And I know that's not popular, but that's the truth. Second thing, that Jesus' name is above every demonic spirit. So I'll look at a, a, just a quickly at a passage, the Apostle Paul. So this, this may not be something that applies to you, this particular passage, but I want you to know that every demonic spirit is beneath the name of Jesus. So for those of you that have maybe been to another country, or maybe even in this country, uh, demonic spirits are real. Uh, they're real in the United States. They're, they're, they're real around the world, maybe more common in other places, but uh, I have physically seen demons come out of people. It, it will make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. Uh, it's, uh, it's very, it, it's quite, quite an experience if you've seen that. Um, and I know some of you have. So I think probably more common is dealing with the issue of spiritual warfare, which is something that everybody deals with. But I want you to know, either case, Jesus' name is above it all. So here's a verse, uh, a passage in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are preaching in the city of Philippi. And, and I, I almost find this is kind of funny. So, so they're preaching, and for a couple days, this girl, this girl has a spirit of divination, it says. She's a uh, fortune teller. She's following them around. And she's actually speaking truth, which is kind of funny. And it says, now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought a, her masters much profit by fortune telling. So she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. I, I just find that's funny that a demon would be saying that, but it's the truth, right? They were servants of God. They were telling the way to be saved. But she keeps it up. These men are servants of God. They're telling you the way to be saved. These men are servants of God. And it says that Paul gets annoyed. You know, I, I feel some like validation here that I'm not the only one that gets annoyed with people. So if the Apostle Paul got annoyed with people, I'm okay. Right? It says she followed them shouting. This, okay, next slide. She kept this up for many days. This wasn't a one-time occurrence. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. So it wasn't little. He got really, he's like, I'm done with this. I'm casting this thing out. And he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus, I command you, come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Demonic spirits have to bow to the name of Jesus. No ifs, ands, or buts. But you've got to have faith in the name of Jesus. See what it said? You notice it, didn't, it does, didn't say that he spoke to the woman. Who did he speak to? It said he turned around and said to the spirit. Paul said this. He says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, Though we walk in the flesh... 
we do not war after the flesh. Right? So that, that even though we're in the flesh, even though we walk in a physical world, that our battles are spiritual in nature. That they're demonically influenced. He says, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. He says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. He goes, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. I think the more common form of spiritual warfare is right here. I don't know about you, but I fight it every day. I fight it every day. In Ephesians 6, when Paul talks about the armor of God, see, there, there's, there's three main weapons that we fight the enemy with. One, the armor of God, which we know there's like seven included in that. So you have the armor of God, you have the blood of Jesus, and you have the name of Jesus. And so when the enemy comes, I'm like, devil, get out of my head. What do I have to say? In Jesus' name. Because I can't say in Fred's name, right? Fred doesn't have any authority. The only authority I have is the authority that was given to me by Jesus. See, it's kind of like this. It's what we call delegated authority. Anybody ever had a, used a power of attorney? You ever used a power of attorney? So power of attorney allows you to sign on behalf of somebody else. So if you come buy a car, one thing we get from you, we have you sign a limited power of attorney. And it's just limited in that it only applies to things that pertain to titling and registration. So I can't go out and use your name to sign for a loan. I can only use your name to, to fix title work, so to speak. So it's limited. The authority that Jesus gives you, that, now hear me out, it's limited to a certain degree. It's limited by the bounds of what he's already paid for on the cross. That's the only limitations. Other than that, it's unlimited. So, if I say, in the name of, hey, I like doing this. In the name of Jesus, I bring a G6 Gulfstream. Like, you know, it has a big jet. Like, I want to do that because I want a jet, but the jet's outside the bounds of Jesus' name. Right? The, the, the boundaries are what he paid for. What did he pay for? Sin. Sickness. Demonic oppression, possession, all those things, bondage. So within those bounds, I have a legal right to command whatever is in those illegally. It would be like if somebody, who, who has the highest authority in the United States? Let's just say right now, okay, the president, all right. Uh, all right. Look, don't... don't don't ever say not my president because he is. I don't care which one it is. It, we honor the, the, the seat. The president of the United States has the authority to sign a bill into law, right? If somebody, if he would come in here right now as the commander in chief of the United States and say, this, this church service is shut down, does he have the legal right to do that? He does. What if, what's a guy from... Uh, North Korea, Il Jong, Kim Jong-un, yeah, I can't even say it. Let's just call him Ung. 
what if Mr. whatever, what if he walked in here and said, this service is shut down? Eh, why? He has no legal right here. See, when you allow the enemy to tell you things in your life, you're allowing him to access somewhere he has no legal right to. You have a legal right to kick his rear end on the street. Because the right was given to you by Jesus. What did Jesus say in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20? He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them whatever I have said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus gave you his authority when he said, go. And when the enemy comes in, kick him to the curb. That's your right. You have a legal right to sign Jesus' name. Don't sign my name. Don't do like the people did with the, uh, the seven sons of Sceva, if you ever read that story. It said there were these Jewish uh, vagabonds. They were going around trying to cast demons out. What did they say? We adjure you by the name of Jesus that the Apostle Paul preaches come out. It's not the name of Jesus that the Apostle Paul preaches, that Fred preaches, that Phil preaches. It's none of that. It's the name of Jesus that's been given to you. And you've got to believe the name and you've got to use the name because it's your legal right to do so. Let me show you why. Look at Ephesians. We looked at this last week. I'm just getting warmed up. But I want to go a little bit farther than we did a couple weeks ago. It says 19. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him? Remember I said, it said, therefore God has highly exalted Jesus and given him a name above all names. Remember that in Philippians 2? Here it is again. It said, after Jesus, after he brought him back from the dead, he seated him, where at? His right hand. Right hand's a place of authority, it's a place of power, a place of honor. It says, in the heavenly places. Next slide. Okay, so. Just for, just for today, this is the heavenly places. I need God the Father. You're not big enough. Ray, you look like God the Father. Come here. I need somebody big for God the Father. All right, here's, here's God the Father right here. Right here. Right, not, not you. right here. All right. Now, it says that he highly exalted him. It said that, that, that he raised him from the dead and seated him where? Right hand of the Father. Okay, Phil, you, you look more like Jesus. Let's come on. Come on. All right, there he is. All right, so here he is, right hand of the Father. Now, where he's seated, he's what? He's in heaven, right? And he is far above. Remember, he had, he's seated, and he has a name that's above every name. It's seated above all. Now, these principalities uh, talk, uh, talks about an order or ranking of, of angelic demonic beings. So this is order or ranking. It says he's far above principality, power, that's the word exousia, or authority, might, that's the word dunamis, or, or power. Now think about this, demonic spirits have miracle working power, according to this verse. 
But their miracle-working power submits to the miracle-working power of the name of Jesus. Think about when Moses and Aaron went to see Pharaoh. Do you remember when Moses was messing around and like, oh, I'm telling you this and I can't. And God said, what? Throw your rod down. What happened? Became a serpent. He said, pick it up. He picked it up by the tail and it became his rod again. And then Moses and Aaron went to see Pharaoh to say, let the people go. And what did, Mo- what did he- Moses tell Aaron to do? He said, Aaron, throw your rod down. What did Aaron do? He threw his rod down and became what? Serpent. Pharaoh's like, no big deal. I've got magicians that can do that trick. He calls the evil magicians sorcerers in, in the kingdom. And they came and all of them threw their rods down. And guess what they became? Serpents. They did a miracle, the same miracle that, that Aaron and Moses did. But guess what? Aaron's snake devoured the snakes of the Egyptians. And even though you might see some demonic miracles, they are inferior to the power of Jesus. You might see a, a, a person online that they uh, talk to spirits and dead people and, and fortune tell. That is nothing compared to Jesus. It says, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every, what's this? Every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he put, look at this, all things. Anything that's not included there. Look at this. Phil's feet don't even touch the ground. That's probably... All, th- all things under his feet. It's like alligator arms, you know. He got alligator feet. <laughs> he says, all things under his feet. And gave him to be head over all things the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. There's nothing, nothing, no name, no principality, no power, no dominion, no might, that's not under the feet of Jesus in his exalted seat to the right hand of the Father. That does you a lot of good. Why? Here's why. Next slide. So going on to Ephesians 2. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, when which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When, you, when he died, you died. When he rose, you rose. And when he was seated, guess what? I was seated where? In him. So I get these cute little sayings. Matter of fact, this better never appear on the billboard outside our church. If it's over your head, it's under his feet. Excuse me, I am in Christ, so if it's under His feet, it's under my feet. It ain't over. If it's over my head, guess whose head it's over? His. And this is a big head. In the name of see, Jesus. Aren't, see, aren't you glad I didn't put you on this side? God the Father just sitting there laughing, laughing. Here's your authority. You're seated in Christ. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Everything's beneath His feet. 
He's given you his authority to use that's over every principality, every power, every ruler, every single name that is named. You have the authority to use it. Amen. All right, thanks, guys. Let's give him a hand. All right, one more. Next slide. All right. Sickness. Anybody ready to use the name of Jesus? So I want to build your faith today, right? I don't want you to ever wonder if the name of Jesus works. It works. He did it for you. He loves you. He wants to give you every opportunity to be successful in life. So the name of Jesus above every sickness. Peter and John. Acts chapter 3. Just after Pentecost, 3,000 people get saved in the day of Pentecost. Now they're going out. They're going to the temple to pray, the hour of prayer. And it says in verse 2, it says, A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, <clears throat> whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him, with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. So here he is, God's begging every day. Been going there uh, probably his whole life, lame from birth. Not a guy that just got hurt in a car wreck. I mean, this guy was born this way. Life is a beggar. Asking alms. And Peter said, look at me. And he says he fixed his attention on him. Next, verse 6 says this. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. Now, what did he have? What did he have? He had the authority of the name of Jesus. See, when Jesus was sending out his disciples in Matthew chapter uh, 10, and verse 8, he said, I want you to cleanse the lepers, I want you to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. He says, freely you have received, freely give. You can't give something away that you don't have. If I don't have it, I can't give it to you. But here's what I know, is that every believer that's named the name of Jesus has been given his authority to use the name of Jesus. So Peter says this, he says, hey, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I have his power in me, and I have his authority to use that power. He says, I don't have any money, but what I have, I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he took him by the hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and angle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked, entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. You know, I, I probably get more questions people ask about praying for the sick probably than any, anything else. I want to tell you this, I don't have all the answers, but I do know that... that I've prayed for people, and they've gotten well. 
I've prayed for people and they haven't gotten well. Every time I pray for somebody, I pray expecting them to be better. I always pray expecting a miracle. Sometimes it happens right away. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes we don't see it. But I can go to bed and rest at night, leave the questions with God, because I've done what I know to do. I know the name of Jesus. I know that when Jesus was on the earth, it says that everybody that was sick that was brought to Jesus, it says he healed them all. So there was never a person that came to Jesus for healing that wasn't healed. I know that I am the body of Jesus, you are the body of Jesus on the earth today, and that we should continue to do the things that he did. And why would he say, the same works that I did, you'll do the same and greater, if he didn't expect us to keep doing them? So sometimes people say, well, what if I pray for somebody and they don't get healed? Ever ask that question? What if you pray for them and they do? What if you prayed for them and they do get healed? So don't go in with the mindset, what if I pray for them and they don't get healed? I can tell you this. I know Salvador told you this story, but I don't think I've ever shared it. So I want to tell you that I don't always get it right. Although God, isn't this great that God makes up for our deficiencies? Even when your faith, now I have faith in Jesus' name, but my faith in Jesus' name is not always at the same level. I'm just going to be honest with you. So I was in in a service in, uh, where are we at? Panama, last October. And I preached. We had prayer time for the sick. And there was a lady that, it was a lady that came in early, and I saw them come in. They brought her in a wheelchair. Of course, I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to pray for the sick today because there's a person in a wheelchair. They might come forward. Isn't that terrible? Why would I think that? I know the name of Jesus. I've seen tumors disappear. I've seen some really cool things. And so at the end, we prayed. People got saved. People got filled with the Spirit. And we had uh, time. We called for people to come up and, and get healed. And wouldn't you know, her daughter, I'm thinking, oh, no. Because what do you think? What if I pray for her and nothing happens? And what are we worried about? Us? What's, what am I going to look like? And so I did what everybody did. I started praying for people over here because she's over there. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. My faith was like a 1 out of 10. I just felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit. You need to pray for that person. You need to pray for her. So I went over, and Salvador will tell you, and I, I just, as I, as I walked in obedience to pray for this lady, paralyzed, uh, older lady, um, I'm not sure why I did this, but you know those things you put your feet on? I started kicking them out of the way. I thought, uh-oh, what did I just do? <laughs> Still didn't have a lot of faith. But I just said to her real gently, you know, Jesus loves you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And wouldn't you know, she stood up and she started walking like this. Walked up, down, across. And it just, I think what overwhelmed me more than the miracle was that God made up for my lack. That even when we don't get it perfect, Obedience. 
When the Holy Spirit tells you to pray for somebody, pray for that person. And pray for them in the name of Jesus. You're like, well, I haven't been saved that long. Huh? I told you a couple weeks ago, Alec Van Meter prayed for his mother. And the name of Jesus was healed. I told that story that next week. I didn't ask for permission, but I'm going to steal permission on this one. Maria went home. Baby had a, a fever. Lays hands on her baby and says, in the name of Jesus, fever leaves instantly. Sorry, Maria, if I wasn't allowed to tell that, but I did. Don't ever say, well, I haven't been saved that long. You don't know what my life... You know what? How long was Peter saved when he did this? What was he saved about? Two months? Because Jesus was on the earth about 40 days, and it was, you know, it was, say he was a baby Christian. Look at these next slides. So the crowd, the crowd's going crazy, right? It says, so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us? As though by our own power or godliness, we'd made this man walk. Here's the thing. You say, well, I couldn't heal a fly. You can't. It's not about you. It's his power in you with your authority to use it. It wasn't Peter's power. It's not your power. It's not my power. It's the power of Jesus Christ. And it's in you. And here's what I know. You ever watch that show, Hoarders? You like that show? How many feel sorry for a hoarder? Well, most of you are hoarders of the power of Jesus. Now everybody put their hands down. <laughs> right? You're sitting on the most powerful resource in the universe, in you, with the authority to use it. It's like stacked up in your hallway. You can't even get through the house. Peter says, hey, it wasn't our power. It wasn't even my godliness. I'm not even that good of a person. For crying aloud, two months ago, I just denied Jesus three times. So don't tell me how bad you've been. Peter denied Jesus. A couple months later, he's preaching. He's laying hands on the sick in the name of Jesus. So forget all that stuff. It says, in his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him. Look at that. Here's the great thing. You don't have to work up your faith. A lot of times we make faith a work. Oh, I got to do this. I got to, oh man, I better, I better study and I better pray. I better, uh, and all of a sudden, you're trying to drum up your own faith. Where did that faith come from? It says, the faith which comes through him. Jesus supplies you the faith the same way he supplies you the power, the same way he gives you, it's, he gives it to you. It says, the faith through him has given this, him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. How many could use a little perfect soundness? Right? <laughs> Just... 
That's, that, that comes from the Greek word holos, where we get holistic. Heard the word holistic? Wholeness, soundness, completeness. Nothing broken, nothing missing, every area of your life. That's what Jesus came to do. Spirit, soul, and body. He came to set you free. All right, let's stand up. Curtis, let's, let's finish with singing that, that song on the name of Jesus. That name's above every name. That name is above every pain in your body. That name's above every missing zero from your checkbook. That name is above that issue with your spouse. name is above the, the doctor's diagnosis of whatever you said you might have. It's above every name. So I want to pray for you as a group. If anybody is singing, we'll go to just a couple minutes of worship. If you need prayer, I invite you to come forward. We've got a team of people that would love to pray, love to agree with you. Father, we just declare right now the name of Jesus above every stigma, every label that was ever put on us, addict, adulterer, homosexual, swindler, hustler, cheat, thief, all those bow to the name of Jesus right now. Father, every sickness, Every pain bows to the name of Jesus. Every lie of the enemy bows to the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. And all your name is my first defense. And all your name is my last amen. Carries me when I cannot stand. It reaches me when I reach the end. Jesus, your name, when the whole Jesus, your name, I will live. the greatest strength. It 
fights for me and it won't relent. That's right. Cast my care, every burden There's one name that can live Jesus, your name. that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I just want you to lift your hand right now. Is anybody here today who doesn't know Jesus? Doesn't know Jesus. Today's the, the best day that you can make this decision. All right, if anybody's online, you don't know Jesus, I just want to lead you in a quick prayer. You say, Father, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I thank you that you love me that you gave your son for me. I just speak the name of Jesus over my life. I accept Jesus as my Savior and I make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm saying yes to you. If you did that today for the first time, you want to let us know, shoot us a little line. That's really the greatest miracle of all is, is becoming a new creation. every storm, you're the Prince of Peace, the Lord of all, you are heaven's King, I sing your name till my last breath in, then we'll sing again with our first breath everything we've ever gone through, yet you did it without sin. And 
I thank you that we have a high priest today that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, our weaknesses. Lord, you've been there. You know what it's all about. I thank you that we can come to the, the throne of grace, the throne of mercy, Lord, that we can receive help in the time of need. We exalt you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord Jesus. And we thank you. Your name.